Hello everyone, thank you for listening to today's message. My name is Pastor Dwayne Life, lead pastor at the Life Point Community Church. What you're going to hear today is a message from one of our recent services. And we believe that by listening to today's message, you're going to be blessed and encouraged from the Word of God. You're going to be strengthened. And we believe that God's going to speak to you in a very fresh, new, and real way through today's message. So thanks again for listening. Be blessed and encouraged. And we love you. God bless. We're continuing our series on unwrapping Christmas. Um, I like unwrapping Christmas gifts. Don't you? I love giving gifts more, though. That's my thing. My wife fussed at me because I blew our entire Christmas budget on other people. And she's like, well, what am I going to get you? I'm like, I'm fine. It's really okay. But I still wanted something. <laughs> so has anybody gotten a, just a Christmas gift that you, you remembered forever? Just a fantastic Christmas gift. And I, I, it's, it's funny how I, I had to really think about the gift that I really, really enjoyed. But ask me the gift that was like the weirdest Christmas gift I ever got or like the most random Christmas or like the wrong Christmas gift. I think of that. I got a girl study Bible one time. That's gospel truth. I open it up and I'm like, what? This is a girl's, it's like baby blue, and it's like, how to be a strong young lady of the Lord. And I'm like, <laughs> not sure. is this somebody else's that got wrapped for me? It's, it's, I, it's, I still have it, so just in case. I guess, I don't know. Um, but what, what's so cool about unwrapping Christmas gifts is when we unwrap a gift, what's What's, what's the difference between two? I think there's two groups of gifts to me. There are the thoughtful gifts and then the practical gifts. Practical, practical gifts are the Amazon gift card. If I walk up to anybody in this room and I say, hey, here's an Amazon gift card. Merry Christmas. You're like, heck yeah. I love me some Amazon. If I give that to my wife for Christmas, I get a couch for Christmas. That's what I get. But I think a gift a lot of times is highly dependent upon who you're giving it to and the, the, the quality of the gift. Not necessarily the quality, but like the amount of thought you put into a gift. If I'm going to give a gift, like for instance, I have a friend who I used to work with at a prior job. My gift to him was two Chick-fil-A gift cards. Or two, not even, they were gift cards. They were coupons. And he said, thanks, man. I put no thought into that. I, in fact, I had them left in my pocket for my job. And I thought, you know what? This guy would probably like some. You know what? Merry Christmas, man. You know, I felt like a hero for a second. But I didn't put a whole lot of thought into that. You know, made someone stay, sure. But when it comes to like somebody like my wife or my grandparents or my parents or my brother or whoever, I try to put somewhat of decent thought into this gift, right? I remember last Christmas, uh, I made my grandfather, my dad's dad, he used to always, my dad used to always tell me about the story of my great-grandfather that I never met, would make these rocking chairs out of clothespins, little rocking chairs. You know, it looks like something Joanna Gaines would put in the house, but just... This nice little rock. And I made him one for Christmas. And he just, I remember he, I, I thought it was going to be like, cool. oh, thanks, that's very nice. But it just blew his mind that I made him this rocking chair out of uh, clothespins. And I guess I had this realization of sometimes it's not about, you know, what we picture these gifts for, you know, if you watch TV at Christmas, you know, you got to get the cologne that makes you look better. Um, you got to get somebody, you know, you got to commit to a six-year lease on a car for Merry Christmas. You know, get the loudest, coolest toy that shoots Nerf balls at cats. I don't know. 
But people want to paint this picture of what a good gift is. They want you to think, you know, you have to buy the newest, coolest iPhone. You have to buy the newest, coolest whatever. But the gifts that mean the most to us sometimes are so unique to us that to everybody else, it's just kind of like, that doesn't seem like much of a gift. Now, granted, the girl's study Bible was not much of a gift. <laughs> but some wood and some glue really meant a lot to my granddad. You know, I've, uh, you know I, I talked one time up here, and I gave Clint a pocket knife. Whoa, yep. <laughs> and it, he told him, I still got my knife, Mikey. I still got my knife. I stabbed a tire with a knife. It was cool, you know. <laughs> But some gifts that seem really insignificant will mean the world to some people. This week, we're talking about joy. Does anybody like to be joyful? I like to be joyful. Sometimes joyful makes people mad. Like, if I'm joyful to my wife at 6 a.m., she's not happy with me. You know, but sometimes joy comes in so many different forms. Sometimes you can be, you know, it's funny. It's like, my daughter brings me joy, and tacos bring me joy. It's kind of like we talked about last week, love, like, you know, I love tacos, I love pizza, I love my car, I love my family, I love the Lord. It's, we use the same word for so many different things, but it, it, it's one word that takes on so many different meanings. But this week we're talking about joy, and I want us to explore a new meaning of joy. So our scripture is James 1, 2 through 4. It's going to say this. It's going to say, consider it a great joy, my brothers, Whenever you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, but endurance must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete and lacking nothing. Let's read that again. It says, consider it a great joy. So in other words, be happy. You should be happy about this when other times, you know, he's, he's prefacing this by saying, I know you're not going to be happy about this. And we've all had those conversations with people. Hey, listen, you're not going to be happy about this. But, you know, usually that means something broke in my house. Hey, you're not going to be happy about this. But you know that plate you really liked? It's in 25 pieces now. Nobody's saying, consider it a great joy. Like, I know you're not going to be happy about this, but you need to be. Whenever you experience various trials. So whenever something is going that you think it, something is going one way when you think it should be going a different way. That happens a lot in our lives. I feel like, hey, you know what? We think it should be going this way. It's going a completely other way. Sometimes it looks like you clear a hill and there's nothing but brake lights. Sometimes it looks like, hey, I thought I had way more money than that in my bank account. In my head, I did the math and there was a whole nother zero. Sometimes it may look like, a heartbreaking tragedy that you never saw coming. But things were going to go one way and now they're going another. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. You know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Katy Perry, get out of my head. <laughs> or whoever that was. Thank you, Matt. In other words, tough times are going to make you stronger. When things don't go your way, you're going to learn a lesson from this. But endurance must do its complete work. The great theologian Mark Rick would call that finishing the drill. So that you may be mature and complete and lack nothing. In other words, so that you grow from this experience and so that you are better on the other side of the trial than you were when you started walking up. So when you're walking up, oh, I don't know, this side of the mountain, what you're going to look at when you get to the top. When we package joy, we package it like, 
hey, it's at the end. We're joyful when the, when the work is done. We're joyful after all the ingredients have come together and we've baked the cake. We're joyful after, at the end of the day at 5 o'clock on Friday when we get the paycheck and the work is done. We're joyful then, but we're not joyful when we're slaving away and working hard or having to do all this stuff that we don't want to do because we're just focusing on the big picture. But how many times have you gotten to the end of the week or the end of something and you forgot to remember the experience? How many times do we go through something that could be so teaching and so forming to us that we forget to pay attention along the way? Have you ever gotten to a destination and forgot how to get back home because your GPS died? Just me. But what this scripture is essentially saying is consider it a great joy whenever you're going through trials because eventually this is going to bring something much better than you could ever imagine. See, nowhere in Scripture does it say, remember all these good times that you're having and all these wonderful blessings because this is what's going to form you and teach you to be better as a person. Never does it say, it never says, the Lord's going to bless you surely so that you're a better person. Every time the Bible mentions being formed, it uses things like the potter's wheel or a knife in a fire or something where it takes breaking down and rebuilding. But according to this, we're supposed to consider this to be a great joy. How do we consider it to be a joy when in our current situation we feel like everything is the farthest thing from joyful? I hate my job. I hate my situation. I hate my house. My car's about to break down, but I'm supposed to be joyful. The, one of my favorite authors that I quote every time I'm on the stage is C.S. Lewis, and he says this. He says, good things as well as bad, you know, are caught by a kind of infection. If you want to get warm, you must stand near a fire. If you want to get wet, you must get into water. If you want joy, power, peace, eternal life, you must get close to or even into the thing that has them. They are not a sort of prize which God could, if he chose, to just hand out to anyone. They are a great fountain of energy and a beauty uh, spurting up from the very center of reality. And when this is surrounding what he's talking about is the center of reality is that the world is broken. And the center of reality is that everything around us is ultimately crashing down because of man's sin. He says, good things as well as bad, you know, are caught by an infection. If you want to get warm, you must stand near a fire. If we want joy and we're in a situation that may not be so joyful at the time. If we want peace and, and, and joy and, and comfort and we feel as though this needs to change, it's not going to change by us complaining about it and talking about how bad God is treating us. No one ever complained their way out of a bad situation. You know, people say, oh, well, God must hate me. God, you know, I don't know what I did. God has a funny way of teaching you things. And we talk, we constantly just degrade like, oh, well, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? Why did, why me, God? Why me? And we've all said something like that. Why did this happen to me? Why is this happening to me? Why did, it's so much easier for that other person. But here's the thing. If I read this, it says, if you want to get warm, you must stand near a fire. If I want to be happy, I need to be surrounded by happy things. 
And that may be, well, I don't have any happy things around me. Well, get some new friends. Go to church. We're a bunch of happy people. We may be crazy, but we're happy. If you don't believe that, come tonight. Sometimes we laugh so loud you can't hear yourself think. If you want to experience joy in your life in a very unjoyful time, you need to be around people and surround yourself with doctrine and scripture and prayer. That is, in fact, joyful. If you want your situation to change, do something about it. If you watch some of these television, and and not every preacher on television is bad, just a lot of them are. They want to say, well, you know what? If, you, if you're not in a good situation, if you're not where you want to be, then you did something wrong, and you know what? You can just pray your way out of it. And should we pray about something? Yes, but you know what? Some, sometimes if you pray, the answer is go get a job. <laughs> sometimes the prayer is, Lord, I just, I'm, I'm so depressed all the time. Lord, I don't know what to do about my situation. And it's like, well, everybody you hang out with is in the same situation you are. And if I, you want to be in a new situation, stop hanging out with them. And that's tough to hear sometimes. It's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm being a light in the darkness to my friends. No, you're being a dark in the darkness to your friends. And that's hard to say sometimes, but it's like, listen, if you want joy in your life, if you want the peace that passes all in Spain, if you want that unspeakable joy, if you want your situation to change, and it's, it's tough love, and it's not politically correct for 2019, but you know what? Do something about it other than complain. So many times in the Bible, we, we read the scriptures, and you know, the people that complained all the time about what Christ was doing were the same ones who crucified him. So if we want joy, do something about it to change and become more joyful. And that's hard to say sometimes because we can get so wrapped up in our own heads that we just feel like there is no hope and we get in this dark place. And I want to tell you this, if you feel like you are trapped and cannot get out of a dark place and you don't know what to do, Find somebody to tell that to. The worst place you can be is stuck in your own head. That's a dangerous place to be. And if if you don't know who to tell, your local church is a great place to start. Innocent plug. When when I wanted to speak about joy, you know, if last time. I spoke, me and Matt Robertson did a tag team type deal, and it was on a fifth Sunday, and, and we, we said that it was going to be a fun day we were going to have, and, you know, we, everybody was laughing the whole time, and it was just, we just had so much fun that day, and I thought, I'm speaking about joy, I'm going to do the same thing, let's have a fun day, and then I start, you know, praying and seeking this out, and I'm like, this doesn't sound as fun as the last time I got to speak. Joy through trial, it doesn't sound good. You know, uh, it's funny how if anybody on Facebook, I'm almost sick of Facebook. I like Instagram because you can't say more than like 30 words. Seriously. Um, but around this time of year, anybody ever see the, the share and God will or I'm not ashamed, so I shared this. Or And maybe some of y'all have done that, and that's all well and good. But I feel like we've, 
subsequently locked our ministry to Facebook. But what that becomes is now our ministry is Facebook. Our sounding board for grief is Facebook. Our, our entire family portrayal is now on Facebook. How I keep up with my friends is on Facebook. How, how I keep up with my church is on Facebook. How I let people know who I'm voting for is on Facebook. And so it's now this shallow relationship has been built with everyone around us where the way I keep up with you is through your Facebook. And you know what? Sometimes that's okay. If somebody lives on the other side of the world, like I have a very dear friend who's in China right now. We don't get to have coffee that often. So I keep up on Facebook. But listen, the easiest way to steal your joy, and we've said this before, don't compare your, your blooper reel to somebody else's highlight reel. Everybody's highlight reel is on Facebook. And so what we end up doing is this time when we're going through a trial and we're going through this depressed state and we're kind of stuck in ourselves. And I don't know about y'all, but when I'm unwinding, sometimes I put a screen in front of my face. If I'm going to chill out, I'd want to, you know, at the end of the day, when I need to go, we call it the guys, it's our nothing box. It's in your head. Girl, my wife doesn't understand it, but like, what are you thinking about? Nothing. It's a box in my head that's got nothing in it, and I just stare in it. Don't do anything. Every guy's got one. But when I go to that nothing, sometimes I don't even pay attention to what's on the screen, but there's just a screen in front of my face, so it looks like I'm just not staring into the open air. But what we end up doing is when we get stuck in our head and we start feeling like we're going through this trial and that God has abandoned us altogether, we go get on Facebook and like, hey, you know what? While I'm feeling awful about myself and the least joyful possible, let me go look at everyone else's highlight reel right now. And that's the worst place to be. You know, my phone, I have it set up where every Saturday afternoon, it sends me my analytics for the week of how often. And I try to use that to keep myself in check because otherwise I get on my phone way too much and I don't like it and it's just reality. Some of us are very well at not staring at it. Some people still have a phone that you have to go. <laughs> but I try to cut down on that because I noticed that like I started like question like, well, how come they got a new truck and I don't have a new truck? Well, how come they, you know, they have a cool new firearm and I don't have a cool new firearm. How come they... What am I doing? What are they doing differently than me? That I, what is, and, it's, and I start to get trapped in this box where I'm just like, well, how come they? But if we go back to the scriptures, it's considered a great, great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith. See, when, when God is testing us, when we're the ones on the chopping block, when we're the ones on the... Uh, 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 on the potter's wheel because here's has anybody ever really watched someone like on a potter's wheel before like truly not just like the little like the quick little picture or whatever if y'all like I watched one I, from start to finish I watched someone make a pot and I was like I want to see what it entails so the first thing this guy and he had like these manly hands I was like okay that's I, this is a sign picks up this wad of clay, and the first thing he does is he, he takes some water and splashes it on the wheel, and then he goes, wham, and just like slams it down on the table. I'm like, oh, that was way more violent than I thought it was going to be. 
And like, it's not like, and, like pounding it and like rolling it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like you think of potters where you think like the gentle spinning motion and you're just coercing the pot with a little water. No, it's like, boom, boom, boom. Like it's rough. So when God says we're going to the potter's wheel, he's not talking about we're going to gently just rub some texture into the side here. Before you get to the texture, you got to get the snot beat out of you sometimes. I'm just saying. And then when you're done with that, you get put in a fire. But that's the picture of the potter's wheel. If you want to become a nice, pretty flower pot, you got to get the snot beat out of you and go through some fire. Says the Lord. One of my favorite authors, his name is A.W. Tozer. Some of y'all, if y'all, and I recommend this book, every girl, if y'all have gone to the growth track, I have recommended this book to you. It is The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. I recommend this book more than I recommend it to anybody. The book was written around the time of World War II, and it's the, one of the greatest personal book, like devotional growth books you could ever read. But this is what he said in that book. He says, it is doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. Because when we're, listen, we've, everybody in this room has been through a trial at some point. Maybe your trial was you lost a loved one. Maybe your trial was you, you went through a season of just financial heartache. You went through a season of addiction. Maybe your trial was actually in front of a judge. Maybe it's, it's all these different things that like you think of your trial like, oh my gosh, I just, I've royally messed up. And some of you are on this side of it now where you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I didn't see God's hand the entire time keeping me from just tipping over the edge even more. You know, I look back and, I, you know, I, I don't have like a crazy testimony. Like, some, like and that's funny. We compare our testimonies like, oh, they have a real testimony. I, I don't. I got like a VeggieTales testimony over here. <laughs> but like we start comparing our testimonies and think, Surely the level of redemption and grace that I have is directly in contact with how deep of a dark place I got in. But y'all like that vegetable test. <laughs> but here's what, I, and, and it's funny, it's like, I saw a thing, it was actually for like a Wounded Warrior Project thing, but it said like, not all battles are fought on the outside. Who knows what kind of battle you fought on the inside that would have taken a lot of other people out? But because you see that, oh, well, I didn't get recovered from this horrible drug addiction or I didn't, you know, I never went to jail or I never, you know, did anything else. I just, I feel like I don't have a, you know, cool testimony. But you don't know inside what other people are dealing with. And sometimes you don't realize how bad your inside could have been or the inside that God protected you from. Sometimes our hurt deeply we, we think it's got to be like, oh my gosh, my significant other has left me, or I lost someone, or something terrible. Maybe our hurt deeply is, uh, it's that college student that didn't get into the college they wanted to go to, and they rested their entire career on, on making it to medical school, and suddenly, they're not going. It's the athlete who broke his ankle and was banging his entire future on scholarships. It's the doctor who is now sick. It's something that is so unique to our situation that everyone else is like, well, you know, you can just pick another major. Well, if I was banking my whole life on this, it's kind of hard to, oh, well, I'll just pick another major. Some of the worst cases of depression I saw 
when I was, I was, I've done a study back when I was in Bible college, and they talked about some of the, like, the deepest, darkest, depressed people were Olympic athletes that got injured before the Olympics. That had spent thousands and thousands and thousands of hours training for something, and then they broke their pinky toe. And if I tell you, if I come up to any guy in here like, I broke my pinky toe, you know what they're going to say? Sissy. <laughs> going to cry about it? Sissy. But if I'm an Olympic athlete who just spent my entire life training for two weeks out of the year to hopefully become a lifelong drink, and my pinky toe just kept me out of that, what kind of downward spiral could that send me into? So when we're comparing ourselves to other people and their testimony, we don't know what kind of spiral that little thing sent us into or how far we were in reality separated from the love of God in our own head. So we, we want to be joyful and we think that we don't have an excuse not to be joyful. You know what's a great thing to do is to tell somebody who's sad they don't have a reason to be sad. There's, there's, there's few things stupider that you can do as a believer than somebody who is hurting and broken and be like, well, it's not that bad. Could be a lot worse. You could be a starving kid in Africa. We always go to the starving kids in Africa. Well, you're fed, so that's it. Like, you got a nice house. Why are you complaining you got a nice house? Sometimes nice houses feel really lonely. You know, I have a buddy who, he has a teenage daughter, and he says, he tells her every day that comparison is the biggest thief of joy. And maybe that's comparing how good somebody else has it or how bad somebody else has it. You know, you can make yourself feel pretty bad when you start to think of how other people got it so bad and you have it so good, and then you guilt yourself into feeling more guilty because you felt guilty. Guilty. But let me tell you this. C.S. Lewis said this also. He said, pain insists on being attended to. Anybody ever had an injury you ignored? How'd that go? I had an injury that got ignored one time. It was, it was in, on my foot, and I, it was, I, was, I didn't think it was that bad. I thought I could you know, make it better. It, was, it wasn't that bad. So I go to the doctor finally to look at it, and he goes, yeah, we can fix it, but we have to put you on some pretty heavy antibiotics because if we try to fix it now, you're going to lose half your foot. I said, excuse me? He's like, yeah, you've been playing around in mud at summer camp for the past two weeks, and it's very infected, and we got to get this out or you could lose your toe. But it, it didn't hurt that bad. He goes, yeah, well, it's going to. Pain insists on being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures and that's true. Sometimes we hear, you know, God be like, you're welcome. He speaks to us in our consciences, but shouts to us in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. You know, joy is something that I think we can all strive. I don't think anybody's saying, hey, I'm striving to not be joyful this year. You know, you may be joy, you may be like this on the outside, but on the inside, you may be like, woohoo. You know, <laughs> I think we're all striving to find that quote unquote happy medium, that happy place in our life where we're, you know, we got a nice nine to five job, you know, got a little retirement set aside. The kids are behaving. The house is, you know, the mortgage check cleared. You know, we got a, 
gas in the truck and, you know, the dog is sitting by the fireplace knitting. I don't know. (laughs) But we all have this picture in our head of what we think our life is going to look like and what we want this place of joy to be and what we want. And we just keep building this up in our head. And sometimes what we forget to do is to listen to God. Maybe God's saying, hey, I can help you. We can get there together, but you got to listen. This time of pain, I'm going to help you get the kick in the butt you need to get launched off into where you need to go. And sometimes those kicks hurt pretty bad. You know, we talked about the, the potter's when the bam. You know, some of you, anybody ever got body slammed by Jesus? I'm just saying. It's a thing. I just, I, I love that when he said, he sh- it's like he whispers in pleasure. He, he speaks, and because, I mean, God can, you know, I, I know I do. I'll see something, and I'm like, hey, that's a, I call it the sermon illustration. I'm like, hey, that's a pretty cool sermon illustration. That was cool. You know, I really, I, I enjoyed it. That was a great, you know, that was, it was this level talking between me and God kind of thing. It was like, hey, that was a fun, that was cool. I'm glad, I'm glad God revealed that to me. That was cool. You know, but I think sometimes we get to where it's like, we're, we're sitting there going, God, what, what am I doing? I don't know what's going on. And God's like, listen, this is probably what you need to do. God, I don't know what to do. Listen, I'm telling you, you probably want to pay attention to this. God, I don't know what to do. Listen! You know, there's, we, I, I watched a video and Dad's played it several times and it was Penn Jillette. He talked about how if, if, if you're an atheist and, and you're heading towards hell and it's like you're in the middle of a road and, you're, and a bus is coming and, you know, gently you may be like, hey, hey, there's a bus like right up there. And as the bus gets closer, your reaction, therefore, changes to eventually you tackle the person. Um, I think that God has to have that same mentality because I don't listen sometimes. Ask my mom or wife or anybody that knows me. I don't listen sometimes, you know, uh, and, you know, sometimes I blame it on the nothing box. Sorry, I was in the nothing box. You started talking. You got to start from the beginning. I'm very, very sorry, dear. Very sorry. <laughs> but I, I think that sometimes you got to yell and get someone's attention before you, you, you make a point. You know, now we want to say you can't yell at people because that hurts their feelings and they need a safe space. No, sometimes yelling works really well. I worked in a mechanic shop and you get yelled at in a mechanic shop for no reason. And now I work at Chick-fil-A and I'm like, we need more yelling here. (laughs) You know, a couple, you know, I have, everybody knows I, I love my little, my little red truck. I have my little red Ford Ranger that's got, as of today, like 275,000 miles on it, just getting warmed up. Um, and I went through a period where I was like, it was when I was still working at Ford, and I drove, <laughs> nothing makes you want a new truck more than driving new ones every day of your life. Like, oh, this is the new Raptor that I have to put a tire on, but still. And so I kind of went through this spell of like, oh my, you know, I really, like I've all, you know, everybody wants a new truck, but I was just like, you know, I really want a new truck. And it seemed like right after I left Ford, I hit a deer going, not but the speed limit on 138. And I mean like that deer, and I, this is what I tell people, I, that deer hit the Ford logo on my truck, right dead middle. And it, it did an Olympic move after I hit it. It was gnarly. But it was at like five in the morning and I was, paying very close attention to the road 
And I remember I'd even hit the brakes and I just smacked the steer. And my first thought was, well, there goes my truck. And I'm not getting a dime from this in insurance because I did not insure that truck for anything that I do to me. And I was like, crap. You know, I can't say crap on the pulpit, sorry. Um, <laughs> you know, but I hit this deer, and I'm, I'm suddenly like, this cannot be. I'm like, and I called my dad, and what he was thrilled about, it's 5 in the morning. I'm like, hey, um, I need you to come. Because I wasn't going to call Kelly because she would have an episode. <laughs> what do you mean you hit a deer? <laughs> I called my dad like, hey, I need you to come help me. I just, I just demolished my truck. I hit a deer. He's like, where are you at? I'm like, told him where I was at. So he comes and meets me. And I've been looking at my truck, and I'm like, I don't think, I don't think, I think it's all cosmetic for the most part. I think I can drive it home. And I turned around and neglected to pay attention that I didn't have headlights anymore. And so managed to get home somewhat safely. And I drove that truck today. Now you can look at the, you can look at that truck straight on, and I put all the parts back together. I ordered some Chinese knockoff parts that were very high quality, Amazon assured me. And I put it back together, though. I, I was able to do it, put it back together. But if you go look at that truck now, you know, Clint Banks hooked me up with a bumper. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> and if you look at that truck, you can tell you look straight on. It's not quite right. Like, you know, I, it's, it's back together. If you're from a distance, you take a picture of it, or you're from a distance, it looks great. You get up on it, you're like, ooh, that's not quite straight. Or that's, that bumper is taking a hard left field. Uh, that headlight's kind of going off into left field, like whatever. But if you look at it, you're like, that truck has been through some stuff. And it has. You, it's got dings all the way around it. But hey, I'll fly through a parking lot because I ain't scared to hit somebody now. <laughs> Give me a reason to cash this check. Come on. But you can look at my truck and tell it's been through some stuff. And I, I've had that truck for almost 10 years. No, I've had that truck. Yeah, almost 10 years I've had that truck. My dad had it 10 years before that. Um, it, we put the majority miles on it between me and him. I've pulled every major component out of that truck and rebuilt it and put it back in. I did it all myself. I learned how to drive a stick shift in that truck. And for those who have known, that is a stressful thing on a vehicle. There's still pieces of it in youth middle school parking lot. But you can look at that truck and tell it's not quite right. In fact, it's out there if you want to see it. But let me tell you something. People now ask me, they're like, why don't you get a new truck? Why don't you just get rid of it? And, you know, you could, you know, you got a decent job at Chick-fil-A or you work for Ford. You can get A plan or D plan or whatever. You can get you something nice and get a good deal. Zero percent financing. And I look at them and I say this. That truck is important to me. It's worth so much because it's been paid for. Something is to be said about something that has been paid for. And let me tell you something. You can look at a lot of us in here dead on in the face and tell us we've been through some stuff. There's a few things that ain't quite right with a lot of us in here, me included. You know, I, I probably say stuff from this stage that, you know, I, would get you banned on Facebook. <laughs> you know, and you can look at a lot of us and be like, man, they, you can tell they, they've been through some stuff. You know, why would God choose to do something with a person who's been through that much. They got dings all around and, you know, they're, if you look straight on, there's a few things that ain't lining up like they're supposed to. And I can just tell that, that, you know, man, why would God choose to use a person like that? Because you have been bought at a great price. And because God is not in the business of throwing away and getting a new fresh model, a new brand new complete package because everybody... Listen, 
Just because you're young and your, your, your model year isn't that old doesn't mean you've got a lot of miles on you. But that does not change the fact that you were bought with a great price and that you have been paid for. And your Heavenly Father wants to see you joyful in the end. He might put you through some crazy stuff. You know, you might be, you know, metaphorically hitting a deer going 55. You might metaphorically be, you know, have a basketball go fall on you in a hurricane or back into your brother's car. Or your brother run into the back of your car. Repeat three times. <laughs> you know, it's just, at the end, what your worth comes from. Now listen, if I put that truck online to sell, people are going to be like, no. Why would I do that to myself? That is just a lot of work that's going to need to make that thing anywhere close to valuable. But to me, you know, I remember when I was eight, me and my dad drove back and forth to the South Georgia Church of God campground, bless God, <laughs> on trips back and forth in that truck. I pulled, I pulled the motor out of that truck. I pulled the transmission out of that truck. I pulled the carpet out of the truck and put a bed liner in, which was the stupidest thing I've ever done. I put so much work and effort into that truck to make it mine that, you know, I don't care that, you know, it's a little noisy at times or doesn't go, drive qu quite as straight as it should or that there's chips in the windshield and paint missing. I don't care about that because it's mine. And if you don't like it, go get your own. And how much joy does that bring us to know that it doesn't really matter how other people view our situation or it doesn't really matter that it, 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 if I'm not this perfect picture that everybody else thinks I need to be or I'm going through this trial that other people say isn't that bad or I'm going through this trial that I think is absolutely terrible and I can't withstand it to know that there is a heavenly father above that says, I loved you enough to buy you with a great price. And yeah, I'm going to let you do some pretty dumb things along the way. But in the end, look back and take joy in the trial because I have a plan for you and it's a good one. And it may not look good to you while it's happening. You're going to hit some bumps in the road. You're going to go through some things that we can't undo. But guess what? It's all going to be worth it in the end because while you're walking up this side of the mountain I got a ram coming up this side of the mountain